are Pro Cannabis Media. Wednesday afternoon, I'm Jimmy Young from Pro Cannabis Media. Of course, we're located just outside of the Boston, Massachusetts area, and we love mm -hmm. to go coast to coast. And that's where we're heading now out to, well, I believe he's in California. It's Mitchell yep. Colbert. Yes, Mitchell? You got it. And uh, where are you at? Near Worcester? Uh, what area? Now we're we're in Boston and it's Worcester, okay. by the way, not Worcester. Okay, okay. Worcester, Sorry. Worcester, Worcester, that's okay. Worcester is a school or a town in Ohio. W-O-R-S-T-E-R. -E Worcester is spelled Worcester. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Mitchell, nice to meet you, sir. Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> and uh you have quite the resume. Uh have you been out in California for a long time? Yeah, uh born in San Francisco, raised in and around the Bay Area my whole life. I got to tell you, you know, I visited a few times. I've been to the mm -hmm. Bay Area. Um, I was a sportscaster for 25 years. I broadcast oh, for the awesome. Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. I got the broad broadcasting for the Rose Bowl is one of the coolest things I've ever been able to do. Let's just say. Now, granted, it was soccer, not American football, but I didn't mind, you know? Yeah. And I'm um, a soccer fan, so no complaints here. Okay, there you go. That's great. Well, again, another thing about California, you guys are always a, um, a very socially progressive state. Mm -hmm. I think, right. And I've always admired yeah. that about California as well. So uh, what we do here is we like to talk to instructors, people mm -hmm. that have something to teach others about mm -hmm. this cannabis plant. And, you know, you've been a journalist. You were the editor of uh, Leaf Online. You're a lobbyist. You're you founded Full Spectrum Strategy. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because um, to me, that that's kind of fascinating and how using this plant, how it can actually impact positively on the environment. That's one of the things you're passionate about, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a longtime environmentalist uh, growing up in California and the Bay Area. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, tree huggers out here. Like I lived in Santa Cruz for a while during a time period where people at University of Santa Cruz were living in trees to keep them from being cut down. Um, I've never camped in a tree myself, but I, I support what they're doing. You know, I'm all about uh, keeping our environment uh, pristine and natural. And uh, that's one of the things that really has drawn me to the uh, regulated cannabis industry. Uh, I've always been involved in the traditional cannabis uh, market. You know, I've been a buyer, been a consumer for years, uh, then, you know, became a medical consumer when I got my medical card and now an adult use consumer. Um, but one of the things that really draws me to the regulated market over the unregulated market is you know you're getting a product that's not just quality controlled and safe for you, but it's also safe for the environment. It wasn't grown in some clandestine way where they clear cut a forest and they're polluting a river and threatening endangered species. It was done in a proper fashion. Um, so that's a big draw to the regulated market. Um, so just quick background on me and kind of bringing up to where we are now. I uh, worked for the Prop 19 campaign in 2010 as a regional director. I've worked for a couple other statewide campaigns to legalize cannabis um, indirectly for this last one. I was uh, working with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, which is now known as Law Enforcement Action Partnership. They're a group of retired and current members of law enforcement who think the war on drugs is bogus and that police have bigger issues that aren't busting people for drugs. Um, so I was working with LEAP back in 2016, trying to get speakers out to events to talk about their message. You know, I wasn't working for the campaign in any capacity, but as you'd imagine, those cops kind of help people come around the idea of legalization. 
Um, so I've worked for a lot of different nonprofits. In addition to LEAP, Students for Sensible Drug Policy. It's kind of where I cut my teeth when I was still in college. Uh, after graduation, I worked at Harborside Health Center, uh, now Harborside, one of the biggest names in the industry, publicly traded at this point. Um, from Harborside, I went on to work at uh, Pistol and Stigma. It's a small female-led consultancy based out of Reno. Uh, really great girls there. They were winning licenses across the country in some of the most restrictive states, so really appreciated my time there. But my heart was really in lobbying. Uh, I always wanted to be a cannabis lobbyist, so when the opportunity arose to work with a vape company to uh, advocate for recyclability, uh, it really caught my attention. So a lot of people don't realize this, but state regulations actually prevent the recycling of cannabis waste in many states. Uh, they made them so strict, you can't even recycle. Explain what cannabis waste is. Yeah, so it takes a lot of different forms. Uh, like there's the overpackaging of the product itself, the exit bag, some states require the multiple layers of childproof packaging. And also uh, in the case of some products, the glass jar your bud comes in, the vape cartridge that your oil comes in for that vape pen. And uh, you know, I was curious, um, what is the disparity between the weight of the product and the weight of the packaging in some cases? So I started weighing a bunch of different types of packaging that I had in my house. And what I found was in some cases, you have 40 times as much packaging as you do product. Like that'd be like a Starbucks would serve you a coffee in a coffee cup made of lead. It doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, so there's just so much waste. One of the things that, um, and I'm 100% supportive of everything you're doing uh, in Massachusetts, you know, we've, uh, voted it in adult use mm -hmm. legalization four years ago. Uh, the medical program's been going since 2013. I had uh, I picked up my card very quickly because all I had to do was show my arthritic hands to the doctor. And mm -hmm. you mentioned all that childproof packaging. And I've talked with um, container people like Nick Kavasovic mm -hmm. from Kushko. Um, it's challenging to open up some of these containers if you have arthritic hands, which is why you qualify for the darn stuff yep. anyway. So yep. uh, there's got to be there. There's definitely room for improvement uh, in Absolutely. that, too. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a young guy, uh, as you can see. But, um, you know, I, I have some physical things going on. Broke my uh, dominant hand wrist a few years ago and it has never come back the way I would have liked. Um, and, you know, sometimes when I am opening a sticky jar of hash, as we know, cannabis hash is very sticky. If it gets up in the tread and stuff, getting some of those childproof containers open becomes almost impossible by the end of that gram of hash. Right. Um, so I mean, it's, it's a real issue for consumers because you're, you're paying money for product you now can't use. That's right. And um, have you ever gotten any of that concentrate on your fingers and then licked it? Oh, yeah. Or if you have like a hot tea or coffee, you can melt it off in your drink. That's another way to do it. Right. But I got so wasted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was not a pleasant experience and it, will For be sure. and it will be something I won't be doing again. Uh, it's kind of like yep. touching that hot stove when you're a kid, you learn the hard way, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things in Massachusetts that I do rail about, and, and mm -hmm. I, and I think you'll like this, there's only one solar powered dispensary grow facility mm -hmm. in the state of Massachusetts. And I would think that with this kind of product that really depends on growth of a plant that's alive, you want as much exposure to sun as possible, including perhaps powering the lamps that are inside that are growing. So, I, I mean, I, 
I'm not going to sit here and say I wish all dispensaries had solar power, but there should be some kind of more or even mm -hmm. more economic incentives for new dispensaries to go solar. Are you seeing any of that in California? Yeah, so um, we actually uh, have it written in to our uh, regulations. As I recall right, there are sustainability requirements that go into effect in 2023. Um, I don't know like what percent of total energy use is required. Um, so I actually, uh, over the past year, worked with a team of uh, nearly three dozen experts uh, working for the National Cannabis Industry Association on a white paper focused on making the industry more sustainable. Uh, this white paper just came out a couple of days ago. So um, if people are interested in seeing that, go to the homepage for the National Cannabis Industry Association. You're going to see a section at the top that's scrolling through four different things. One of them is going to be an announcement about that white paper. Go to that page, enter your info. You'll be able to download your own copy. And it's a blueprint for the whole industry to be more sustainable. And I mean, the NCA, the NCA was originally hoping for like a 40 page, neat, clean white paper. Our original draft is over 100 pages. I mean, there is so much to say. Uh, it's not the draft you're going to get is not 100 pages. You know, there is a lot of editing done. And even though it's not as long as it used to be, all the content's still there. I mean, it is such an information dense document. Highly recommend anyone read it if you, yeah, I mean, really, it's mandatory if you own a business, but if you're just interested, it's worth a read. Yeah. And Morgan Fox, I'm the communications director of the NCIA. Oh, yeah, he's great. He is great. He's a regular. I wanted to say he's a regular because he's been mm -hmm. on with us a half a dozen times. And um, you mentioned Harborside. I'm guessing you know the D'Angelo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, best boss I ever had. You know, oh, I've worked, right. a, worked a lot of different retail jobs, worked all over. I mean, I, I love working for Pistol and Stigma as well, but Steve was such a chill boss. You know, I really appreciate the work he's doing now with the Last Prisoner Project as well, right. getting people out of prison. It, it is one of the most important things we can be doing now. Get them out That's of prison right. and into the industry they help create. That's right. In fact, I think I saw something today that um, the oldest inmate, 91, I think, has now been mm -hmm. released. I mean, oh, he was wow. And, uh, you know, again, it's kind of sad. It, it didn't have anything to do with expungement or reform. It had to do with the fact that they were afraid he was going to catch COVID and then was released because of that. He, yeah. you know, spent something. But you like know, I'll COVID. take any win. You know, right. anyone getting released, that's a win. That's right. And it was Steve D'Angelo, and I've already—I think I'm pretty sure I've already quoted him once today on this show. And very mm -hmm. rarely, we always end up saying something about the Last Prison Project and, and Steve. And it was when I interviewed him at uh, Canex in Jamaica in September of 2019, mm -hmm. he explained to me that it will just take a phone call from the executive branch to the Department of Justice to deschedule from Schedule 1, a mm -hmm. phone call. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, being a Massachusetts person, I was fearful that the current POTUS would have used mm -hmm. that to keep him in office. Thankfully, he did not. And thankfully, the uh, president-elect Joe Biden is waiting for his turn to actually take over. And that Democratic mm -hmm. platform at least has come out and said, we want to decriminalize uh, cannabis. Um, yeah. You're a lobbyist, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're talking with, I'm guessing, um, policymakers, uh, mm -hmm. lawmakers. How yep. challenging is it? And in California, I'm guessing it's a lot easier than it would be, let's just say, in the middle of the country. 
Yeah. Well, actually, before I forget on the last topic, so uh, another great group out there is the Weldon Project, uh, ran yep. by Weldon Angelos, former, you know, cannabis prisoner himself. Really appreciate what Weldon's doing as well. And I just, I'd be amiss to not mention Weldon after talking about the Last Prisoner Project, because they're both doing amazing work in that space. Uh, in terms of um, lawmaker interactions, uh, it's funny. So I, I've done work in both Colorado and California. And uh, out of the two states, Colorado, more the middle of the country, has actually made a lot more progress on this than California. Um, so I uh, spent the last two years uh, founding my lobbying form, firm, Full Spectrum Strategy. Uh, my main client was uh, Firefly Vapor, which is now part of Slang Worldwide, a major vape company. And uh, Firefly is a reusable vape product. You put hash in it, you put bud in it, use it on the go. It's great. Love my Firefly. Love my Firefly too. But they wanted to release a you know, a vape cartridge type product. Their, their whole marketing though is based around the idea of phenomenal flavor, zero waste. You can't claim to be zero waste if you have a disposable product. And the issue they saw was that many states wouldn't allow them to recycle it. So that's where I came in. And sorry, did you have a question come up there? I, I saw that. No, but I, I have just been enlightened to the disposable mm -hmm. vape cartridge and I find them very convenient. Oh, absolutely. However, now that I'm hearing you say, I don't want to use them if, I, if I'm causing trouble, right? Yeah, I mean, it, and that's that's the, the thing with it. You know, like what used to be people smoking bud that could have been grown in your buddy's backyard, it's now bud that's grown in a centralized location somewhere that is shipped to a processing facility that is shipped somewhere else. All along the way, every link in the chain is adding more uh, environmental pollution. Then you get a cartridge shipped all the way around the world from China made out of, uh, in many cases, heavy metals, rare earth minerals, things that are mined out of the earth. There's a whole supply chain now just for the, the weed to be put into uh, that wasn't there before. So there's a lot more environmental um, considerations when it comes to more processed products. Um, like if you're really trying to be environmentally conscious, um, probably the best types of products you could use are the most old school ones, bud, hash, edibles, you know, the things people have been making for years that don't require a huge amount of packaging. Uh, but realistically, anything in the legal market is going to be really overpackaged right now because of how state regulations are set up in many places. Um, and, and, and of course, a lot of states, now Massachusetts, again, allows six plants to be grown at home per mm -hmm. adult. And if you have a dwelling of two adults, you can have as many as 12 plants mm -hmm. grown. But as an adult who is afraid of growing, mm -hmm. I, that's a lot of responsibility. You know, I know it's an investment and, and, you know, I like my plastic plants, you know what I mean? They, they yeah. never die. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel the same way. The one time I ever tried to grow from a seed, I didn't end well. So I was just like, all right, I'm going to cut my losses. Growing's not for me. I'm just going to leave it to the experts and buy what, what they have. Right. Um, so I, I totally understand that. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's certainly easier to go to a store and drop, or not even not even that anymore. Go online and pick your mm -hmm. product, and then show up and and walk away with it. Um, you know, Absolutely. the the whole COVID thing has has really changed the delivery process it has. Of, and the distribution, and it's a lesson I believe that the industry is learning. You know, in the beginning, dispensaries were designed to come in and hang out mm -hmm. and get educated mm -hmm. and. Right. The interiors were really nice. Absolutely. And, but now it's like we don't need the interior. We just need to order it, show up, 
at the door and leave, especially if you've educated mm -hmm. yourself enough to know which strains you like, how you like to uh, intake the product, uh, whether it's old school by uh, rolling mm -hmm. up a, a, a joint. Um, but I, I do, I, I do want to come back to the vaping thing because you know yeah. we had that that controversy with the mm -hmm. the illegal market putting vitamin yeah. E and cutting it uh, there. That's one of the reasons why I've always trusted my mm -hmm. medical dispensary products. They're tested and they are um, inspected. So that's actually. Um why uh, my friend who worked at Firefly uh, thought of me. He knew that as a journalist, I've been researching the vape market for over half a decade. Um, so I was working at Harborside. Um, my first six months on the job, vape pens did not exist yet. They were not in this market. Uh, I'd never seen one before. No one had ever heard of one. Then we got the first vape pens, horrible failure rate. You know, they were leaking all over the place. And, uh, you know, after seeing them for a while, I started thinking, okay, this is totally new what could the potential human health impacts be? What are the risks? And what are the environmental implications? And that's what I've been researching for years. Uh, the environmental uh, research led me into my lobbying um, and the human health, uh, you know, I've done a lot of articles for Cannabis Now for different outlets. And uh, I think the first one probably ran three, maybe four years ago now, I was writing about a lawsuit between two vape companies where one vape company was accusing the other one of selling uh, poison, if I recall the quote right, uh, because they used uh, MCT oil. So uh, the allegation is MCT oil can lead to a condition known as lipid pneumonia, which is a pneumonic-like symptoms uh, where oil lipids build up in the lungs. Um, I first came on to this uh, researching dabbing. Uh, when I first came across dabbing, someone told me an anecdote about a gentleman named Mag Wedo, M-A-G-W-E-E-D-O, who actually collapsed a lung at a high times cup after taking a huge dab. Supposedly what the doctor said was something like the oil buildup in his lung caused that to happen. That got me researching something known as paraffin pneumonia, now known as lipid pneumonia. So I've been researching this for years, really concerned about this possibility for years. So it really doesn't surprise me that the Avali epidemic happened. I, I am surprised that it was vitamin E acetate, I had never heard of that being in vapes before that, ever. I mean, in all my research of the legal market, nobody is using that at all. Um, so yeah, it, that was really an issue of the unregulated market, uh, not the regulated market. And that's what the research has really shown us. Um, so, you know, if you regulate things, you're, you're good to go. If you're buying from the regulated market, you're great. But, you know, um, there could still be some health issues down the road we don't know because it's a totally new uh, method of consumption you know I, I, if you didn't know these are e-cigarettes like no no real distinction it is the same technology with a cannabis oil inside instead of a tobacco oil um, so in terms of regulation uh, regulations that would affect e-cigarettes could also possibly affect cannabis vaping technology if it's regulated uh, based off the technology rather than what it is used for. Um, so different states are regulating things in different ways. And I've seen some legislation proposed that talks about e-cigarettes and doesn't necessarily distinguish cannabis devices. So that, that's the kind of stuff the cannabis operators should watch out for. E-cigarette regulations could possibly impact them as well because these are functionally the exact same device with a different oil inside. Um, so, you know, just be mindful of that operators. That's right. And, you know, it's funny. And I talk to medical professionals and on Mondays when we do this live show 
it's medicinal Monday. So we talk mm -hmm. to uh, registered nurses, we talk to uh, can cannabis certified doctors, um, integrative medicine doctors, that sort of thing. And pretty much every one of them says, you shouldn't be ingesting vape vapor vapor from an oil. It just it says it just doesn't make sense. It, it, exactly. That I mean, it's kind of unanimous across the board. Um, I believe it was Dr. Uh, Jeff Raber was speaking at uh, the oh god, I'm forgetting which conference it was. There have been so many, but um, not anymore. Dr. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> this was in the before times. <laughs> right, um, right. Dr. Right. Raber was uh, talking at a conference, and he he mentioned just the concern of. Um, you know, oils being ingested into lungs. And he's not the only one. Virtually all the MDs I've spoken to are like, you know, your lungs aren't really designed to process oil. And that's right. where the whole lipid pneumonia thing comes from. It's not what the lungs were designed for and problems can arise by getting oil in there. And we just, we don't have the, and that's where I was kind of going with the e-cigarette point. Because these are e-cigarettes, of course, Big Tobacco hasn't funded any research on that. They've blocked any attempt to research the safety of these devices. So now we're using devices that have no known safety profile on the device itself and putting cannabis in there, something that is also simultaneously very well researched. We have so many studies on cannabis, but at the same time, not the right kind of studies because the government is blocking the research that we really need to do. So now we have an untested technology with a partially untested medical agent going into it. And there, there definitely could be negative impacts. We, we don't know because we haven't done that research because we can't do that research. Um, so it really comes down to the federal government opening up uh, the ability to do research. Um, but we'll, we'll see when that happens. You know, I, I'm hoping it happens under President Biden, but, um, you know, both Democratic and Republican presidents have fought cannabis research. So, you know, at, at this point, though, it doesn't make any to me. It's that's the research drives jobs. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Absolutely. I mean, stop right there. That should you're a lobbyist. That should be the end of the argument. <laughs> okay. I yeah. mean, no one's going to die from research. Okay. In fact, if anything, you're going to prevent um, habits like that that could end up in in death or whatever. One hundred percent. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just just crazy to me when I hear the Republicans talking about. Well, they mentioned cannabis sixty-two times in the COVID relief bill, more than they mentioned jobs. And I keep saying it. It's probably the third time I've said it in this show alone. Mm -hmm. It's synonymous with yep. jobs. That's I mean, at least if you're in a state with a legal industry, you know, if they're I, one of those states that hasn't legalized it yet, I, I can get how that doesn't mean jobs for them. But for the rest of us in the majority of the country, that right. means jobs. That's exactly right. And now we're up to 15, right? We got 15 legal states. Uh, 30. Uh, adult use, you know, in addition to the medical. I mean, last I checked, if you include the CBD only states, there was only two states that didn't have some sort of cannabis legalization be it CBD only, which is largely not functional in a lot of places, but you know, it's worth mentioning. Um, then you got your medical, then you got your adult use well over half the country, well over 70% of the country. It, it is an overwhelming consensus that we want legal weed in America. I mean, you look at any other political issue, you don't see consensus like that. Gallup poll last week, 68% of America. Highest ever. Highest ever. I, and it, you know, it's gone up quite a bit over the last oh, 10 yeah. years too. Um, it's pretty amazing. And that's because of efforts of people like yourself, obviously, who've been in the trenches for a long time. Not as long as Steve, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, I, mean, I think his different... story, his story is just fascinating in oh, so yeah. many ways. Um, and I'm so glad that I was able to, to get to meet him 
and 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 interview him. Um, One of my know, uh, big talking points, that having been around this since before it was an industry, is you know there's different waves of legalization. The first people we really have to thank are the veterans, the people who are growing weed back in the '60s for all kinds of different reasons. Largely, it was vets coming back from Vietnam with PTSD, and they were self-medicating. They didn't know how the science worked yet, but it helped. There was also part of the back the land movement. And those people started going to jail because they were growing a plant. That gave rise to the early activists. Those activists were like, no one should go to jail for growing a plant. This is ridiculous. From those activists, we got legalization. Thanks to legalization, we now have another wave of uh, industrialization. You know, the industry is here, we have capital, and it's evolved again. But every wave builds on the work of those before it, and we have to give thanks to those who came before us, and also those who are going to take the torch from us after we're done working on it. Yeah. And it, it is amazing that uh, my son, I have a 30 year old son, that he's mm -hmm. growing up in an era where it's accepted. Um, Absolutely. It, it, it's just uh, amazing to me after all these years of uh, fighting it and, and having to deal, deal with all that. Um, where do you want to see over the next six months with President elect mm -hmm. Joe Biden? First of all, I think we both want to see him actually uh start getting access to some of those daily briefings. I'm going out in a limb yeah. and you feel the oh, same. Yeah. Thing, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I would just love to see a return to normalcy, which means one party conceding when they obviously have lost. But, you know, I'm remembering the history of Bush versus Gore. That took 36 days to figure out. So I'm buckled in for at least another couple weeks, month of, of this. And meanwhile, we got the government isn't really working really well right now. It, it's all under executive decision. And that's a yeah. scary thought. I just throw that it, out. It there. is. But, you know, the good news is there's still efforts to the state government. You know, like what I was doing out in Colorado has manifested in tangible progress. You can now legally recycle marijuana consumer waste for the first time out there since legalization 10 years ago. And uh, it's a huge change. Um, and I just want to, I know we're getting to the end, so I just want to mention, uh, I have a panel that's being voted on right now for South by Southwest. Voting's only open until this Friday, the 20th, and it's all about uh, how we can create a circular economy for the cannabis industry, start using our waste products to make new products. So if you want to find that, if you want to give us a vote, Google South by Southwest panel picker, and using the panel picker search, search for higher purpose, my panel, higher purpose, create a circular econ cannabis economy. It's going to be your top search. Please give us an upvote before this Friday on the 20th. And you can hear from me, government regulators, and all kinds of other industry experts talking about the practical solutions we have right now to start cutting down our waste and using that for new products and actually confront climate change before it's too late. Kind of gives new meaning to the term, let's get wasted. <laughs> I love that. I hadn't even thought of that. Thank you. That's that's have to use because that, I'm old. That's because I'm way older than you. Okay, <laughs> you're wiser than me. Oh yeah, much wiser. I'm sure I'm going to throw out my disposable vapes right after this interview. <laughs> all right, so I don't know how I mean, I wise. I would say I throw them out. You know, mo everything in moderation. You know, everything in moderation. Exactly, you know? and I would say use it responsibly. You know, Absolutely. the amazing thing about the vapes is most people. In fact, I'll, I go back to my first experience with my medical mm -hmm. card, going to the first dispensary and saying, look, you know what? I'm not sure I want to smoke it anymore. What yeah. are my other options, right? Exactly. You walk out of there with an edible and you walk out of there with uh, maybe, uh, you know, a vape pen. Tincture, or vape pen, patches, topicals. Right. There's, there's a lot of different options out there that you can explore that aren't smoked. That's right. And, uh, you know, you think that the vape was going to be safer, but it, it's interesting to me. It's, 
fascinating in so many well, ways. Like I said, we, we don't know. We don't know well, it's not safe. We don't know it's safe. We just, well, we can't do the research. Know, but every doctor I talk to about the smoking of cannabis, mm -hmm. has there's no real research that's out there that's available anyway, that says, you know, it's as dangerous as cigarette smoke. It is not. It's, yep. it, it's absolutely. Just, it's we know it's safer. Uh, Donald Tashkin, UCLA, did a study several right. years ago, and he's done other studies showing that cannabis smokers, smokers have right. less lung cancer than non-smokers. Exactly right. Exactly right. That's that. I've heard that. I've seen that. I I totally understand that. So it's kind of like you know, go back to old school, like you said, right? Yeah. And that's another reason why I'm pretty sure still more people consume it through smoking with flour, yes. using flour. Yeah than any other form, even though the edibles are going up and concentrates yeah. and people are cooking it now and doing the- As I recall, it's not thing. necessarily a majority of the market anymore, but it's still mid upper 40%. Um, but in some states like California, vaping is up to, I believe 30% of sales. I know it right. was at least before the Evali epidemic and things kind of dropped off. Yep. But um, you know, vaping, I think over time might surpass smoking, uh, especially nationally, because a lot of states on the East Coast uh, they've legalized smoke only. <clears throat> right. There you and go. if you're not, and if you're not able to smoke, I guess you're going to vape. That's right. Mitchell, one more plug. Uh, tell mm -hmm. us where they can go to give you a thumbs up on your, on your panel. Yeah. So that's going to be uh, South by Southwest panel picker search for higher purpose and my panel, higher purpose, create a circular cannabis economy. It's going to be the top choice. You need a South by Southwest account. They're very quick and easy to sign up for and just toss us an upvote. Leave us a comment if you like the idea. And uh, thank you so much for your time today, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Are you kidding me? Anytime. And Oaksterdam University, it must be a great class you teach. What's the Absolutely. name of the class? Yeah, so What's I teach various classes there. Um, I recently uh, did a part of a bud tender training curriculum. So if you're a bud tender and you want to get a nice standardized training from Oaksterdam, we have that available online. Um, I've also done a class on methods of ingestion. Um, so just talking about the different methods of delivery and product types out there. There you go. Well, that is Mitchell Colbert. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Had a great conversation with you. I'd love to continue this. Uh, yeah, and, me too. Me and you've got a friend on the East Coast now. So uh, anytime awesome. you want to get back to the East, you, you know how to find me too. Sounds good. Well, all right, have a great day, Jimmy. We Talk Now, We Talk News, and In the Weeds are all available on most major podcast distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our friends at clnsmedia.com and our flagship, cannabis.net. So subscribe, share, and like our videos on all the social media networks out there, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Weed Tube, and YouTube. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area, now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. We are Pro Cannabis Media.